Welcome to this BTOG podcast. My name is Tom Newsom Davis, and I'm a medical oncologist at Chelsea and Westminster Hospital in London. I'm vice chair of the BTOG steering committee. I hope by now that you know that this is part of our regular podcast series entitled BTOG Does, where we have informal chats with experts in their field and we tackle the most important questions that we all face in the diagnosis and the treatment of thoracic cancers. It's important to say that the sponsors of BTOG do not in any way have any input to the planning, content or delivery of anything that we discuss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another BTOG podcast. Um, this time we are talking about all things GERFT. And if you're wondering what on earth GERFT is, um, it is a abbreviation for Get It Right First Time, which, as we will discover, has been a very important part in looking at and trying to improve quality of lung cancer services in the UK. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by two uh, victims this month. Uh, one is Paul Beckett, and Paul is a true friend of BTOC, having been on the steering committee in the past. He is a respiratory physician in Derby and Burton, and has done lots of other important things, including being a very important part of the National Lung Cancer Audit. And we're also joined by uh, Vicky Anderson, who is a lung cancer specialist nurse at the Newcastle upon Tyne Hospitals and was also uh, very much involved in the GERFT process. So, Paul, Vicky, welcome to the your very first BTOG podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Um, so, uh, Paul, I'm, I'm going to pick on you first, because just as we were kind of limbering up for this, uh, we, we were remembering that sometimes it's difficult to remember where where GERFT came from. Before we even think about where GERFT came from, can you tell us what it is? Um, and in telling us what it is, who originally came up with the idea and where did it come from? Because if I remember correctly, it originally came from orthopedics. Is that is that right or is that a myth? No, that's, that's, that's exactly right. So uh, GERFT was really the brainchild of a spinal surgeon, uh, Professor Tim Briggs. And uh, he, um, uh, he developed the initial methodology and did the first uh, work stream, which looked into spinal surgery. Um, and the, and the, the, the methodology was really um, about using data um, to uh, challenge uh, services um, about their performance and to reduce unwanted clinical variation. Um, so by gathering data, sharing that data with the organizations, uh, discussing it in detail, um, he was able to, to produce a, um, uh, an action plan for each organization and then a national report on spinal services. And that was so successful that it was subsequently rolled out across a number of different um, uh, clinical uh, topics. So it's kind of expanded out from surgery to, to oncology and presumably, and I'll show my complete ignorance here, um, lung oncology wasn't the only one. This has been used in lots of other areas of, of oncology is that right or, or we well, well actually lung was the first um the first work stream to look at a cancer pathway and, and it was chosen for for a number of reasons one was um uh the fact that outcomes in lung cancer have generally been poor and there's been a big push in 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 the uk and in england over the last 10 to 50 years to try and improve outcomes through a variety of different um, initiatives uh, and the other was that uh, around about the time that this work stream was being conceived, the National Optimal Lung Cancer Pathway had been um, agreed and um, nationally commissioned. And there was a, 
there was a need really to look at how how well that was being implemented and encourage its implementation across the country. So that's why lung cancer was chosen as the first uh, uh, GERFD workstream to look at a cancer pathway. And once we completed our work and completed our reports, um, uh, again, being having been um, uh, fairly successful in, in our task, that's now been rolled out to a, a number of other uh, areas, uh, such as head and neck, for example. And, and I think it's quite likely that, that you know, this will, will, will go around to, to all the major tumour sites in, in, in the fullness yeah. of time. And, and Vicky, what, what, what's the kind of remit of GERF when you got involved with it? What, what were you told was the kind of the, the aim of it and what were you trying to achieve? Is it, is it like peer review, which is something which kind of fills us all with, with dread? Or was it trying to achieve something different? So I think the aim of it was never to fill people with dread and, and it very much was supposed to feel like as clinicians, we were there in support of other clinicians. You know, it wasn't us coming into trust and telling them what they should be doing and what they're doing badly. I think we all felt that clinicians were, were already very aware of, of what they were doing well and, and what they were struggling with as a trust. And what we wanted to do is to kind of benchmark all of the trusts across England against the other against the other trusts to look at who was doing what well and what we could learn from that so it was supposed to be a supportive process rather mm. than kind of uh yeah us, us coming in and, and uh telling people off essentially and and so as such i was going to ask you, you know, what authority did you have but actually the way you describe it you didn't really need authority because in fact you were coming more advisory as someone who's also running a lung cancer service and trying to understand what you do well and don't do well is that right you you weren't you weren't telling people off for their services no. and I think you know we made it clear at the start of every visit that that we were not there as as people that held all of the answers that we came from trust that had similar problems and were struggling with with many different parts of the pathway and that the whole process was supposed to be as you say yeah. a supportive one um, and, and I think the majority of trust found that certainly from the feedback that we had and one of the kind of the, the bonuses of this way of doing it is that it is clinician led so it's it's not somebody coming in who doesn't have any idea about the problems that that trusts you know that teams are facing it's people who are living living that day in day out as well yeah and I certainly someone who's done peer review on both sides of the table before when you're on the receiving end of peer review often your frustration is the people asking you questions have never actually sat in a lung cancer clinic and you yeah it can be a little bit disheartening yeah um Paul, Paul, who who actually is GERFD? Is is it is it is this NHS England? Is it independent? Is it who is it? Well, it was funding. Yeah, it was originally um, um, run under the auspices of the Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital, having been started by by Professor Briggs, um, but it's now been uh, taken uh, within uh, NHS England. So it's part of the Improvement Directorate within NHS England, and there's a whole bunch of people sort of behind the scenes who organize the funding and the the administrative work and the governance um, but in terms of in terms of the lung cancer GERFD um, we were a relatively small team so there was myself and um, and Vicky uh, there were two other um, uh, medical clinical leads that was uh, Elizabeth Toy an oncologist Sarah Doffman uh, another respiratory physician and, and we also had Monica Hewer who was another uh, specialist nurse and we were we were supported by a project manager uh, Caroline Ager and also a data analyst Matt Colmer and and 
and so we we were the we were the team tasked with uh, delivering the, the the lung cancer work stream um and and basically the first the first six months or so of the of the project was just around collecting all the data um because this is very much a data-driven quality improvement process and uh, we spent a number of months pulling together a range of data sources and putting that into what's called a data pack which is a and, and, and when was that roughly you were doing this well so this 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 start i had the very first meetings about this right at the end of 2018 uh, we brought the team together in early 2019 and we did the first the first deep dives in individual trusts towards the end of 2019 and then that was just as COVID arrived just as COVID arrived and, and we were just getting into the swing of of, of, of navigating all the, the different train journeys to different parts of the country and and uh, working out which were the, the hotels to go to and which were the ones to avoid when COVID was <laughs> That put a big spanner in the works, and and we 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 ended up um, transitioning completely to doing meetings over Teams, mm -hmm. um, and obviously those those two different approaches have got their own um, um, pros and cons. It's it's much easier to sit in your office and do a, a remote meeting and avoid all the travelling, but you don't get the same you don't quite get the same interaction. It's harder to it is harder to have the conversations yeah. over a uh, uh, over an online forum than it is face to face. And you're talking kind of in the past tense there, because as we were discussing before we started recording, that that the process is actually finished. Well, the whole thing hasn't finished, but the that initial process of kidnet data and, and going out to hospitals, you, you've done that and completed it. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So there, there's there's depending on how you count them, there's a, there's around about 140 uh, hospital secondary care hospital trusts in England, um, and over that two-year period we we were able to do deep dive in virtually all of those right. um uh, we provide each trust with a uh, a short but very focused action plan which which um lists for them what we think their really good strong points are what the best practices that we've 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 learned from them and then a a, a, a usually a longer action plan which which lists out all the things that we think they would need to address to to bring them up to the to the best standard and then we we followed that with a national report which is a quite a it's quite a long document actually but it, it goes into into a lot of detail about what we did what our findings were what best practices and uh, makes a number of recommendations I was just going to say also share some examples of best practice so going back to what you were saying about peer review as well as kind of going around and talking to different trusts about maybe the challenges that they were having it was really important for us as well to gather examples mm. of best practice from mm. trusts and be able to share those nationally too so that other teams may be able to, yeah. to benefit from that and what really struck me um vicky is paul saying that how few of you they were because before I looked into this, I assumed there was an army, an <laughs> army of, of of you guys. But actually, it's a very small number. So you're you're doing the entire country in in that period. Um, how did you? What happens if a trust was unresponsive, or actually was everyone responsive? Well, what did you do if if you, it was people a bit hostile? Did you just sort of wade in anyway, or did you ever just not not go? So most teams were responsive. I think initially when we were tasked with uh, travelling around the country, the expectation was that we'd visit every trust in a six-month period, which which felt hugely ambitious. Yeah. Um, 
but then I think the the other side of that is that kind of by the end of the two two and a half years of of trying to kind of get through all of the trust in England, it it almost felt like it was kind of wading through through mud at the other end. And um, we have a very good project manager who I think was was fairly persistent with trusts where it was perhaps difficult to engage. Um, to be fair, a lot of the trusts, not that there were many, but a lot of the trusts that we struggled to engage with were primarily because they were struggling with COVID, as, as yeah. many of us were, um, yeah. and they just didn't have the capacity to release the staff to, to come to those meetings and be able to make the most of it. And we'd been quite clear up front that as well as having a member of kind of every member of the MDT present, it was also useful to have managers, people in, you know, yeah. in charge of finance and everything else on that call. So for, for some trust, I think it was just too big an, an ask. And um, I think we did give a deadline of the end of 2022 um, would be the, the kind of end of our visits and anyone that couldn't get in by that point, then then we weren't able yeah. to visit. I think Do you, sorry. Uh, well, I was just gonna say, I, I think hostility was extremely rare and, and actually, uh, for, for sure the, the clinical teams, the, the, the clinical members of the teams, just really appreciated the opportunity to be in a room with all the important decision makers in their organization and say out loud and have validated some of the issues that they experience um, because they, you know, they, they know their service best. They are often frustrated with um, uh, not being able to make the changes and the improvements they want and, and having the ability to, to, to just get that out in the open and with, with you know, maybe the commissioners or their, service manager or the chief executive in the room. So having the, having the right people in the room was really critical. And, and I think the way that we, we approached it as a, as a, as a reviewing team um, uh, put people at their ease. And so hostility was very, very unusual. And you, you, you touched upon, upon that, Bob, that the, you had the data in advance. So you had your pack that was, you collected that from the national data sets. Yes. You then did you then say you came up with recommendations and sent them in advance, or would, would you meet with the team first and then your recommendations came after? What was the, the sequence? Yeah, so so we do that we do the meeting with the team, what we call a deep dive, and, and that might initially have been in the early days of workstream of being face-to-face -face and later on online. Um we we record the session um over over teams and then um, the the sort of lead reviewer for that for that particular deep dive would then go away and over a week or so would 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 write an action plan. Um, we we then send the action plan to the to the to the organisation for them to just check over, make sure they are in agreement with it that we haven't made any glaring mistakes. And then once that action plan is accepted, that's that's kind of taken on by the local team. Uh, the clinical team and the managerial team as an action plan that they're going to try and address. Now, GERF does have, uh, it does have a little bit of um, quality improvement resource, what, what are called implement, implement, implementation managers. And the original idea was that those implementation managers would go in and very much support the organizations to deliver that, that, that action plan. In reality, I don't think any of the work streams have been resourced quite well enough to deliver as much one-to-one -one bespoke support uh, as 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 um, as we would have liked. And and Vicky, when you were coming up with that that recommendation, so you you'd been in there, you visited them, and then you went went away for a week to work out what you would 
recommend and and suggestions how did you guys pull that together did you were there common themes you were seeing anyway did you all sit around the room together and say this is what we think or was it much more individual so the do you mean the actions for each individual trust or yeah yeah individual trusts so we would um we would usually there was two leads on each visit so um one of the consultants and one of the nurse specialists and whoever wasn't talking would be busy kind of making notes as as well as we went and as paul said caroline often had the 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 deep dive recorded as well so uh, one of us would usually um write the notes up first and then send it to the other one to sense check before we would send it out to the trust but i don't think there was ever uh, discrepancies in 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 kind of our thoughts yeah. on the visit there, there was usually a consensus on on most points and to be fair I think there probably wasn't any surprises in there for the clinicians yeah. receiving the report either because um uh, it was it was clear as as the visit went on kind of what the issues were and have you have you did that report get sent out for trust do you as a group then are you checking on whether that's been implemented or once your report has been done is is your is your work done so to speak so from, from our point of view once the report was done for each individual trust then then that was our our job done but i think in the future there may be plans i don't know if i'm right paul for for trust to be re revisited yeah it, it it depends on the work stream a little bit and how each work stream is is resourced and as i say there there are these these implementation managers who's who with the idea being that they that they go in and if you like, hold hold the organisation to account to deliver the action plan that they've agreed on. In in, re in reality, that's not that's not as robust as, you, as it should be. Yeah. So you're relying on the um, you're relying on the trust to to deliver that. Because um, that's often the frustration with all these things, which is absolutely. you go through the process, you have some laudable recommendations, and then you go to your your managers and find out there's no money and there's no people, and then a year later nothing's changed. And I guess that's the the bit we have to avoid. Uh, yeah, that's that's right. I mean, I think we we know from some of the feedback that we've we've seen formally and informally that that the the deep dives did really make a difference uh, on the on the ground at the local level. Often often small things, but um, uh, but definitely making a difference. And it was also a little bit of an evolution because at the start of the process you 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 haven't quite defined what best practice is you don't yeah. know necessarily what the best practice is until you've seen it so in, in the beginning there were maybe a, a a core set of things that we we knew we wanted trust to be delivering um uh, but over time as we as we realized what what the art of the possible was and what some organizations had managed to do that that filtered through to the recommendations that we give yeah. to the organizations later on so the big question, and I guess it's kind of between both of you, and Paul, you mentioned you produced your report and it's 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 quite a wordy document. Are you guys able to, I guess, summarise some of the key findings um, and themes over that entire period? I uh, don't expect you to go through every single one, don't worry. We might be here um, all night. <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe, maybe I mean, we we uh, did you mind if I take this, Vicky? So yeah. so we we split the we split the report into into five chapters, and so one chapter was around the importance of making a rapid and precise diagnosis. So that was really focused on making sure that the diagnostics was done to a high standard, done rapidly, done in in parallel rather than in series, and 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 
um, uh, uh, yeah, coming to that diagnosis as quickly as possible. The, the next chapter was around making sure that treatment was delivered in a timely and effective way, in particular, making sure that patients were um, uh, as, as many patients as possible get access to curative intent treatment and you know all the things that go along with that such as um, uh, good comprehensive uh, supportive care smoking cessation prehab things like that uh, there's a whole chapter devoted to multidisciplinary working because you know that's where a lot of these key decisions are made but I think all of us felt there was a there is and has been a very much over reliance on 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 the need for every decision to be made in the in a multidisciplinary team. We wanted to make sure that those those MDTs work well and MDT meetings are also uh, slick and effective. So there's a whole chapter on that. There's a chapter. The fourth chapter is is focused on data and information because that's the you know that's the heart of our of, of our quality improvement program and that's the only way in which we can monitor the the effectiveness of any change that's delivered is by is by continuing to collect data um, and then finally there's a chapter which is really focused on organization of services allocation of resources uh, and accountability for services and i think a big a big part of that is around the the challenges that that we working in the nhs in england face with with mm. with what we would consider to be um uh, a level of resources that doesn't allow us to deliver the sort of speed and efficiency and um, outcomes that we would want to deliver. That's a very tactful way of putting it. Well done. <laughs> um, and th the report is available for anyone who wants. Um, and uh, I'm guessing if they just put GERFT lung cancer into Google, they'll probably find it, correct? Yeah, you can put in, um, if you put uh, GIRFT, G-I-R-F-T, um, some people misspell it, they put GRIFT, but it's GIRFT, yeah, GIRFT National Reports, and you can you can look at all the national reports across all the different work streams, uh, 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 and you'll find about halfway down the page, you'll find the, the lung cancer report. And Vicky, what, what, what do you think? What do you think it's achieved? You're looking back, you started this process five years ago-ish, would you believe it? Um, I guess not only from your experience of GERF, but also looking at, presumably, you had a GERF review of your own services. How? What do you think you've achieved uh, as a group? Um, so as, as kind of Paul alluded to earlier, I think one of the biggest achievements was, was giving clinicians across the country that opportunity to um, discuss their service in, in front of those that, that may be able to help with influencing it. Um, it seemed like a huge task when we first started, but, but you know, we, we, we made our way through. Um, I think probably 90, 95% of trusts across the country, and, and I think overall it's been a, a, hopeful, a helpful process. A hopeful process maybe as well amazing. but um yeah I, I guess from a personal point of view in our trust we've seen um, changes as our, in our pathway as a result of it and um, we've made some changes to the way that our pet scans are um organized to to fit in line with the nolcp we've managed to get additional lung cancer nurses which is vitally important in order to deliver good services 
um, and and some some changes to the way that we um, deliver our biopsy lists across the week as well to speed up pathways. So it has certainly made a difference in in the trust where I work, and I know from speaking to uh, regional teams as well that you know they they've been able to take things forward. Um, I don't know about you, Paul. Do you know locally or? Yeah, I, I mean, I think exactly this kind of things you just described, Vicky. That with relatively small, relatively straightforward things at the local level. Uh, but when you multiply those across 140 trusts, that's an enormous amount of change. So I'm I'm really proud that we were able to help in 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 pushing that forward. I think um, uh, on a, a kind of larger scale, it, I think this is really focused NHS England and the Cancer Alliances on on lung cancer and improving treatment and survival. I think they 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 were quite shocked about how much variation there was and and there's now for example there's a, a national treatment variation group which has been established which is really honing down on on, on treatment related variation and is and, and is doing some really good work um i i mean we we uh we made a strong recommendation with regard to a national lung cancer screening program and we now have that uh, being established. Yeah, so I'd like to yeah. think that we at least we at least had a small part to play in that. But I, I think you know, like like Vicky said, for me, perhaps the, the 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 biggest thing was the opportunity to celebrate all the amazing work being done across the country by clinicians who are just super dedicated. Um, not just the clinicians, their support staff and their managers, often in really challenging circumstances. And it, and it was a privilege to hear about that and then to be able to share it more widely with other teams. I, I really found that kind of doing that helped to reignite my passion for the job, you know, hearing mm. about some of the amazing things that other teams were doing. I think my colleagues were sick of me. Every week I'd go back and be like, oh, you should hear what this trust is doing. It's incredible. We totally need <laughs> yeah. to implement this. Like, they must have hated you. <laughs> yeah, I think they were pleased when it finished. But, um, but it, it, you know, it was really good on a person. It was an amazing yeah. opportunity as well to be, to be part of that, um, especially as a nurse, because I think often these things are um, doc doctor-led and sometimes... You know, the specialist nurses don't always get a look in, um, but actually they're a pivotal part of the MDT as well. And um, yeah, it was an amazing opportunity. And did you ever find, Vicky, that, that I, I certainly remember feeling this when I was, um, well, our guff was coming around, was I wanted to say how great our service is because I wanted to, you know, prove that we're good. And therefore, I wonder whether I undersold the problems we face. Did, did you come across that way? People either didn't want to tell you their problems or they had a manager glowering in their ear and they kind of felt they couldn't flag up the problems or, or do you think actually there was very high levels of candidness about what was done because you are because you're on the inside like us I think it varied from trust to trust and um, one thing I would say is I think I found that the um the that we lost some of the granularity of those conversations when we moved from face to face yeah. to virtual you know quite on in the early visits quite often perhaps people who have a quieter voice in the mdt would come up to us after the visit and say oh can i just mention this and, and can i just tell you about <laughs> yeah. this and yeah. where, whereas when you're on teams or you know whatever virtual station you use the the conversations tend to be monopolized by those with the loudest voices so you know i i I think it was it varied from from trust to trust, but the, the, there was probably an element of that as well. Yeah. And I get the last question to you both, I guess, is NHS is great at commissioning reports. 
um and then the risk well, worry is always gonna, they're going to sit on a shelf um and add add to the long list of reports um i guess question for you is how do we prevent that happening with this and related to that if we've got colleagues listening saying well i have my GERF visit and we have lots of really helpful recommendations but do you know what i'm just getting nowhere you know i've i've you know i keep asking for support i haven't got the money hospitals not listening how, how do we help colleagues um action their recommendations and how do we ensure that GERF isn't another report left on a shelf maybe paul you go first on that one if that's okay well, I think it's really difficult, and I, I, I don't want to be. I want to be realistic about it and say that clearly, not everything that we recommend is going to be put into action. But I think um, the the way that the the alliances in NHS England have have embraced some of the findings and developed these regional groups, um, I think that 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 gives me reason to be encouraged about it. But. At the end of the day, one report's not going to make the difference. We as uh, we as lung cancer um, specialists, we just have to keep banging on about it. We just have to keep pushing and pushing. And if it takes one report, two reports, three reports, yeah. we just have to yeah. keep on keep on doing that, keeping it in people's mind, keep pushing, keep advocating for our patients. Uh, and um, um, if it if it was easy, we would have done it with a report twenty years ago. And it's not easy. Yeah. Vicky, any additions to that or any, any things that you found in your service where you had help recommendations from yourself and and yet you couldn't or struggle to get that implemented? No, I think, as, as Paul says, you know, that there will always be a lack of resources and uh, money in the NHS. And, and I think, you know, what, what we've had to do in our trust is, is prioritise um, with what we do have to, to make the best of our service. But, you know, I, I think, like Paul says, you know, the the, the teams that we met were so dedicated and so passionate about what what they did and and it's really important not to lose that so so just keep talking and um and you know keep fighting yeah and do, do we know what happens next i mean you, you you've done your bit um you intimated paul there might be another sort of round to see what progress is is that confirmed or is it wait and see no it's, it's wait and see um uh there's 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 obviously a I mean, GERFT has got a lot of resources, it's got a lot of different work streams, but again, that's finite. There, there was originally talk that we might uh, stay on as clinical leads and we might go and do deep dive visits at alliance level, or we might go and do deep dives to certain trusts that had the most, most problems. I think by the end of whatever it was, two or three years, all, all of us were exhausted. We were exhausted yeah. by it. Yeah. We couldn't, we really couldn't face any more of that. And so, Partly because of that, the work stream was closed down. But I think it's you know the methodology sound, uh, and I think it's 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 worthy of, of, of reviewing that in in two or three years' time if there's an appetite to do so. Yeah, I'm just thinking about it. I mean, I, I think I rather admire that approach because I think one of the trouble about a lot of things like peer review is they drag on and on and on. Everyone loses the will to live. Everyone gets a bit bored, and they cease to do what they originally were intended. And actually, if you come in with a finite program, yeah. But perhaps that is the most effective way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess the advantage of COVID is you didn't have to spend nights in all four motels, you know, off the off the M3. So it wasn't that bad after all. Every cloud. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, okay, guys, that's really helpful. I've learned a, a huge amount, as I always do on these things. Um, so I, don't, I encourage my colleagues to, to look at the report. I did have a quick look um, yesterday evening beforehand. Um, and it is it is very interesting. And we can always pick up themes in our own our own services. So um, I would like to thank you both, um, Vicky and Paul, for joining us for this. Um, thank you all for listening and uh, tune in next month for the next podcast. Thank you both. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.